This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Jetson's there. Billy did. The goal. Chris Billy Huddersfield Town. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2. Huddersfield. Oi. Thank you. Champion Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the frame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. Stuffer Schindler. A chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! Hello and welcome back to the Andy Takes That Chance podcast, 187 episodes deep into the main podcast, which puts us just 129,813 episodes short of the longest-running broadcast in the UK, which is the shipping forecast. Will we beat 130,000? Absolutely not. This is probably our final season, but hot on the winds of Storm Babette. Not sure why they let Kelbrook name a storm. Comes the show with the most hot air this side of the Great North-South Divide. This week was either going to be... All right, cousin. This week was either going to be rain or shine for Darren Moore as he went searching for his first win as Huddersfield Town manager and duly got what was a huge three points for Huddersfield Town because temperatures were starting to rise in HD1. Joining myself is the typhoon to my earthquake and someone who won't get the natural disasters reference at all is Richard Kozy Kosmala. And rounding up a power trio is a man recently back from the USA. It's the Texas tornado himself, Johnny Gillespie. How are we doing, boys? Good, Matt. Uh, mm, Matt thank little, you. was some kind of podcasting awards for like football and... Uh... Rotherham lads got a table. Where's that? Where is ours? It, it actually, the, the FSA relies on fans of podcasts to vote for their favourite podcasts. And we've been going five years and not one single person has put us forward with a vote. So there we go. So popular we are. <laughs> so um, <laughs> there's think, the answer then. Yeah. Didn't get the reference, did you, Cosy, with the typhoon and earthquake thing? I don't think, did you? And that Kelbrook one, mate, that one. You got the Kelbrook. No, that'll do. That's more than I usually usually get from me. So that's, that's fair enough. One out of two, mate. Fifty percent. 
Right, so this episode, as always, is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. If you use our code of AHTTC10 online, you will get 10% off all of your online orders. And remember to get down there on match days as well. Like this Tuesday night, forthcoming against Cardiff, say hello to big lanky shithouses like Brady, aka Frosty the Podman, and maybe myself and Cozzy Bear, who knows? Right, guys, let's get into Huddersfield Town 2, QPR 1, Darren Moore's first win as Huddersfield Town manager. Um... Moore made a couple of changes. Tom Lee's in for the injured Josh Ruffles. Josh Karoma adds a left wing back to give Yutanakiyama a rest due to being on international duty. And we saw a start up front as well for Kian Harrett. Uh, Town came out of the blocks fast like they did against Ipswich and got off to an absolute flyer. Jonathan Hogg winning the ball in midfield. Radoni taking it from Dr. Bergzog and threading a great pass through to Harrett, who I thought was offside in the ground, but having watched it back, he wasn't. He was level. Brilliant run from Kian Harrett. Uh, and he scored with practically his, uh, well, it was his first and second touch, wasn't it? Um, but great to get his first league goal of the season for Kean Harrett. And I think it's a chance that he's fully deserved, isn't it, Johnny, uh, for uh, the work he's put in Kean Harrett? Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to see um, hard work, endeavour, running down balls, creating chances, coming to coming to goal. Um, it, it's a goal I think he, he should have scored, but he, he makes a run, he looks for it takes a good first touch gets it under uh, and slots it past an experienced keeper as well um, so yeah you can see in, in his celebration how much it, it, it meant to him not saying anyone celebrating a goal didn't like it means a lot but I think it meant that extra little bit more to Keane Harrods so hopefully you say a bit like Rodoni last year he gets one and he gets a bit of confidence um, starts to play a bit more naturally and we see start to see a few more come you forget he's only 21 I think he's been around for a while Um I think when the commentator mentioned him is a 21-year-old in in the commentary on um, the uh, highlights, it just makes you think he's only 21. So scoring the championship, yep, only one goal, but a 21. It's um, it's definitely a good start to his young career as a Huddersfield Town player. Cosy, remember every time we're in the championship and Brennan Johnson had score or do something for Nottingham Forest, it had flashed to David Johnson, and it was it was incredibly mind-numbingly dull, wasn't it? Uh, but I tell you what, if the sky cameras cover us next time, I really hope they uh, they flash to Kean Harrett's dad because you know he's, he's 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 great entertainment in the crowd when he's when he's on full form, and you can see the whole Harrett family absolutely loving what what's happening with Kean getting in at Huddersfield as well. My little lad got a picture with Kean as well a couple of weeks ago, which was really good. He was a really really nice lad as well when we met him. Um, great to see, isn't it? Players coming through the academy or what's left of it, and. And taking a chance, and that's what it was about, really, for Kean Harrett, wasn't it? He, he had a chance, and he, he took it, really, didn't he? Quite the uh, turnaround, Matt, because obviously his career could have gone. He could have been at Prickhouse after what happened at Bradford. Came back uh, in a bit of shame, let's be fair. And then it's like the hard word. It's like, do you want a you know professional footballer? Is this you know? Do you want Is this what you want to be? You really want to kind of knuckle down on all my days. Uh, that has happened. It's lovely to see. Uh, obviously, Neil Warnock and him had a bit of a bromance uh, and he got the best out of him, uh, did Warnock, and it's, it's continued this season as well. His attitude has been really, really good. Uh, when, when you kept hearing, you know, it impressed me in training, it impressed me in training on the training ground. It's This is a guy who brings his A game uh, into the uh, into the building uh, seven days a week. If, if Obviously, don't train that many times a player, but so it's really, really good to see and uh, yeah, I, I, I had a feeling there'd be one or two changes uh, to the team uh, yesterday and pleasing to see Kian Arrett take his uh, opportunity and a lovely finish. And yeah, I took a lovely picture of the goal uh, 
I'm sure some kind of guys in, uh, I mean, you call it crap pot corner, don't you, or what have you, bottom tier, uh, some people call it the jungle. Don't you? I, mean, I don't that. call it crap pot corner, don't get me in trouble with people, I've never <laughs> called it that in my life. Uh, the jungle is what I what I know it as, yeah. Yeah, the jungle and that as well, but yeah, getting absolutely Getting me in absolute danger here, I've never seen There's some characters down there, let's be fair, but yeah, brilliant and uh, what a start, but you know what, Matt? When I walked into the ground, uh, when I was travelling to the game yesterday, right? If 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 they had ninety eight percent possession, fifty shots, we cheated, we dived, we did everything we could. We we got the most blatant Maradona style. But all I bothered about yesterday was winning. I couldn't care less if we played well. The game was massive. We had to win at all costs, at any cost. Yesterday, we had to walk out of there of winners. I was saying to people at work, says, if I don't walk out of that ground at 5 to 5 or 5 o'clock on Saturday as a winner for the show town, there's a big issue. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of traffic about the performance and so many people I've seen type up on our social media, you know, when they, obviously the club, what a goal and what a 3 plus 3 and all this lot, but people are not having it. But for me, mate, this game, with what's coming up, this, we had to win whatever it took. However we did it, we had to win. So I want, obviously, yeah, I wanted a Nipswich-style performance, but I think it was all about winning yesterday, Matt, and that, I couldn't care less, you know, about justice and, and how we did it. We had to win, and we did, and obviously we're going to come on to later on in the game, but I can't, I, I, honestly, the texts I've got, the messages, it were this, it were rubbish, boss taking us backwards, blah, blah, blah. They were crap. They should have done this. If QPR deserved this and that, couldn't give a shit. We won, and that's all that mattered yesterday, mate. We can build on that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And um, let's let's talk through the game as well. Town went 2-0 up in the 14th minute. It was a bit of a whirlwind start, wasn't it? And you could see the work they'd put in uh, during the international break on the training ground because both goals were very much off the training ground, weren't they, with second man, second and third man runs. It was it was decent football, really. Ridoni's pass was superb for the first one. And then the second goal, again, Ben Wiles does quite well on the right-hand side. He's played it to Sauber Thomas and... Sauber Thomas continues to impress me because we're just saying off air, off air, it's like we're a radio show just before, weren't we? When Sauber was creating a lot of uh, chances back in uh, the Carlos Corbran playoff season, it was all set pieces, wasn't it? Every, pretty much every chance he created was a corner or, or a free kick, but he's creating much more in open play now, which is really good to see. And we've seen, you know, an advancement, if you like, in his game. And we saw it again, he's, he's you know, instead of just what he'd have probably done a few years ago is just flashed it across the box between the defender and the keeper. And if there's no one there, everyone goes, oh, and it looks a great cross, but nothing happens. But he's picked his head up and he's picked out the incoming Jack Rodoni, um, Jack Rodoni, as uh, David Hartrick likes to call him. And it's, I thought it was, I, I expected him to sort of hit the keeper and he, he kind of just placed it in. And it looked like weak goalkeeping at first from from my angle from from Begovic, but it's actually quite a good finish when you watch it back on TV. It's a really nice finish with his less, fa- less favoured uh, right foot as well. And just a couple of stats, that's his third goal of the season. And in 12 games, he's managed to beat last season's tally already, which is good. It shows the progress of Jack Ridone. He got two in 46 last season. He's got three in 12. If he carries that on, so if you extrapolate that across the season, and he's looking at double figures, and that would be an absolutely unbelievable return, wouldn't it, if he carries this this form on uh, through 46 games. And I think everybody's really pleased with him. Um, but one person who was quite pleased with him and tweeting effusive praise was Mr. Kosmala. Um, I mean, I've we, we've mentioned him, haven't we, in weeks gone by, and I've done bits on him, but you were particularly impressed with him yesterday, weren't you? 
I were just going back to some of Thomas Matt. So I moved uh, Basitas in the kill that sat right on the front row. Just fancied having that kind of pit side view and Sober Thomas's work rate is fantastic, Matt. And the, the number of times he were getting in and ha- pressing people, tackling stuff we would never have seen for him uh, bef- before, in my opinion. He really seems to be got the bit between his team. The crowd were responding, which were really nice. There were people as well, kind of the front viewers, getting there, some sort of brilliant work rate. Because you know what it's like with your Liverpool fans. They just like to see you know good effort, good work rate, and people putting in a shift. So massive kudos, obviously, the, the quality that he's delivering from from the byline and, and, and things that he's doing is brilliant. But I just want to kind of shout out the the work ethic uh, that, that Thomas has shown. And it was really interesting hearing Darren Moore uh, talking about him in the press conference where he would kind of mention he wants to, you know, work with him to get him back in the Wales team. And he kind of said that he's a bit of a, an interesting kind of character. You know, I think some of Thomas were asked, like, you know, yeah, I, I can be a bit, I don't know, it's maybe hands-on or whatever, but maybe need a, a bit prick. more... <laughs> it's pretty much yeah, what he was yeah, saying maybe, without maybe. saying it, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's great. It sounds like it. He says when Dan Moore talks, you listen. So it's great, mate. We seem to have that kind of buy-in, and, and the results are there for all to see. Rodoni, fantastic, man. I thought we were outstanding, head and shoulders above anyone on the pitch in any both uh, strips to to me yesterday. But it's just the way he just kind of he glides forward, and he like he wants to take a risk, wants to you know get it a pop up for shot as well. I know one once in about 10 goals, obviously, when he were here, but I think he could he'd do even better than that, Matt. He looks like a player now to me. Again, I've mentioned it a few times, but other, he just stands out. Others will, other clubs, I think, will, will if he keeps going at this rate, well, in January, he might be testing our, uh, testing Mr Nagel's uh, kind of patience and, uh, you know, cheeky bit. But I love it, mate, because he just plays the game with a smile on his face. Is everything about it. I love his celebrations, everything. Just looks like he's enjoying life, mate. And for someone who had such a, a tough start. It's pretty impressive. It's not like it's just been a bit like when Thomas came and it was great from the start and then obviously had a dip last season. This was different. He like went a year without a goal did pretty much and you know he totally is playing in League One. He's like moving from London to, to the north and all people are going to say, Oh get your violin now he's a footballer. But then these things matter not, you know, mate, when you're settling in the club. So all credit for him mate to still keep working hard, pushing on. Obviously Easter when it kind of started to he roped that goal at Watford and he really looks, in my opinion, one of the best uh, kind of <laughs> midfield forward players in the division at the moment, mate. And yeah, I, I'm excited for his development. It's brilliant to see. And uh, yeah, love, better finish, definitely, mate. I thought he was a good one at the time. When you look back, at, when you look on the replay, really good. So yeah, them two guys, they're, they're when you look at, you know, kind of as attacking player and that. So they're, them two, for example, if they got injured and were out for a few weeks, we'd be in deep shit, mate. Go just going back to um, our season review um, at Magic Rock with um, Radio Leeds and um, Utabia, we got asked who was our signing of the season. That kind of went a little bit left field because everyone obviously was going to say Helic, and he probably was. I did say Rodoni based on the last kind of five games on what that means he could go on to do uh, this season. And I think, like I say, if he kind of puts out the figures that do you know I mean like extrapolating out what he suggests he might be doing and the importance of ease in the, in the in this team? He, he could turn out to be really the season at the signing of last season because of how well he's done this season. And like I so said, we, we talked around hoping that would be the case based on what we got to see towards the end of last season. Um, I think Cosy makes a good point that people kind of forget that footballers are, are robots. There's a lot of things going on off the field. 
a lad of his age, I mean, moving away from home, he's, he's obviously quite a family orientated person. You see that from, so I mean, things on Instagram with his parents and his brother. He's obviously, he's quite a homeboy. So to move north and to be out of that um, close-knit circle, obviously operating down down there, it is big. Um, it's a big step up in, in the level he's playing as well. So to take a season just to settle in and kind of get everything aligned in the last kind of five or six games and take it into next season, I think it's kind of credit to him. Um, and I think he's got a good opportunity to kick on and actually make it a really, really great season and kind of become that signing of the season, but maybe one season delayed. It's definitely all pointing to all, all good signs to Jack Redoni. So touch wood that it keeps going in the same direction and nothing, no injuries befall him or anything. Because it feels like we're going to jinx him here and he's going to be out with out for six months with an injury. So hopefully nothing happens to Jack Redoni because he has played a lot of games, hasn't he, over the last year or so. So uh, and he's he's improving in every one of them. So uh, well done uh, to Jack Redoni. Uh, two 0 up. Town then just went to sleep, didn't they? Just w- pretty much just went to sleep. Um, I'm, I'm quite conflicted as to why why this is. It seemed that going 2-0 up, I'm not sure whether we sort of rested on our laurels or whether we were in a position whereby we're like, shit, it's 2-0 here and there's only 20 minutes gone. What do we do? And Town have historically, and these these sets, this set of players, um, I'm talking about, you know, the ones that have been here under Fotheringham, Schofield, Carlos Corbran, so, you know, Lee Nichols, uh, the back three, um, not so much Helic, but Pearson, Lees, um, who else do we have? Josh Caroma, Sorba Thomas, Hogg. Um, you know, there's quite a lot of players here that have seen seen that. And they have been guilty over the last three years of going 1-0 up, going 2-0 up and sitting back and inviting too much pressure and then struggling to push back out, you know, when, when the pressure becomes too much. And I think a lot of that is down, is still down to not having that central midfielder who can pass a ball and dictate and, and bring you out of places like that. And also, it doesn't help not having a, a main focal point striker either just to take some of the pressure off. Because we've got up there, we've got Bergsorg who does Bergsorg things. Sometimes it's wonderful. Sometimes it's utterly bizarre like he did on the halfway line where QPR was scored where he, he tried to do some kick-ups and almost fell over or something. That was amazing. That I'm, I'm pleased they didn't score because I can laugh about it now. But we don't have a, a number nine. You've got Harrett up there who's a young lad. And Johnny made a good point in that you forget how young he is. And you also forget how few games he's started as well. And there's, he's not the most experienced player up there. So to ask him to hold the ball up and bring others in and take the pressure off is, is would be really unfair. He's he's probably a second striker you would have at the minute, someone who you would take the pressure off and let him do his thing in and around the box. So we really miss someone up there just to hold the ball, take the pressure off, bring others in, slow the game up, you know, speed it up and in midfield as well. Um, so... I'm I'm a little bit com- conflicted as to as to whether it's a mental thing or whether it's just a lack of ability in some places or whether we you know Cosy you mentioned in WhatsApp pool on the rack kind of thing didn't you and it's it's difficult to finger point that and all all I know all I could tell was it wasn't by design because Darren Moore stood on the touchline barking orders you know to get to speed up get out speed up so it definitely wasn't a tactical thing uh, from Darren Moore it just seems to be maybe an inner in a psyche thing with with this this group of players, whereby maybe they just kind of drop drop off, drop deep, and they're a little bit unsure what to do in in certain things. And it happened under Carlos Corbran, but we were so well organised that we never really got caught out by it. I think you you go back to like December twenty one and that Coventry game where we went one nil up quite early on. Danny Ward scored in ten minutes, and we spent about eighty minutes defending our box, didn't we? And it, it seems to be a very Huddersfield Town thing that we've that we've done over the last three years. And it was frustrating because QPR 
were there for an absolute thumping, weren't they? The first 20 minutes, they were there to be, they were there to roll over, get smacked around, whatever you want to, however you want to say it. And we just took the foot off something chronic. And in the end, QPR deserves something from the game. That's, that's how much it, it switched, you know, how much it changed. Um, by the time QPR scored though, uh, Johnny, I, again, set pieces, we'll t- you know, mentioned set pieces later on, but Town defended set pieces really poorly all game. And it wasn't a particularly wicked corner or anything. It was just a floater to the far post and Jake Clark Salter gets up above anyone. And everyone seems quite lead-footed, don't they, in, in some ways. And it's a really strange goal because it kind of happens in slow motion and you're like, did they just score? What's just happened here? You know, And, and they're running away and 2-1. And to be honest, 2-1 maybe flattered us at that point. Yeah, it was a strange goal. Um, it was one of those ones you got to kind of watch back to kind of work out what happens, really. It, it takes a very strange corner. It's the same in the second half when, um, is it, Dunn gets his head on Jimmy it. Jimmy Dunn misses like, a sitter, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah just, loop, just loops it in. And it's then kind of like, it's 50-50, isn't it? Who's going to win the header, really? It's not kind of like whipped in, which is always hard, really, from a defender's point of view. Um, and it's... Looking at it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like it, it is Helix man. Um, but there's a there's a QPR player who kind of backs into Helix a little bit, not not a foul, but kind of makes it a bit more difficult. And it, it, the, the QPR it gets so high, um, and you kind of think, well, I, I, I think even if Helix was uninterrupted, I'm not quite sure whether he'd be able to do anything with it because it doesn't look like he's able to kind of get his head. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if that almost catches Nichols a little bit off guard because he looks a little bit slow to react but then I don't know whether it's hard on a replay to kind of like see how how fast it was coming in but the jump that he he does is just unreal he gets so high off the ground Helix kind of like pushed out of it he's not a free header but effectively is because Helix doesn't even get off the ground but they all kind of like just look at each other thinking kind of where's that come from how that how's that kind of happened Um, I think like I say in the ground it was it was similar one of those where you kind of like look at the ref and think is it a goal like it just seems a bit to come from nowhere but yeah it, 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 I think with Pearson Lees and Helic, we're probably in our strongest position from from a defending point of view and it's it's not great to see two opportunities where really they should be scoring and from two set pieces it, um, I mean it, it is a bit of a worry and it's something that I probably need to have a, do, need to have a look at yeah I'm just watching yeah, still- just watching it sorry because yeah. um it gets floated to the far post and Helix with um, a guy who gets out-jumped as well. It's Tom Lees who's got caught between two men. Um, and I thought Tom Lees was quite good on the day, actually. I thought he was in the top three performances. But yeah, it's it's a strange one. It's like they've outnumbered us slightly at the far post. But go on, Cos, what were you saying, bud? Ah, they, they, you know what? They're the most frustrating things, Matt, because like you said, someone hits one from 25 yards, no chance to keep it okay. But it was a bit like a boxing game, wasn't it? You just, we were... Hanging on, it was incredible how they just the momentum totally changed and Rangers were just really on top. And again, you look at one of those when you're looking at the clock and you're like 35, 37, 39, and you're thinking, come on, just 45 and we're done and get Mark and get in there and, and change it. But so it just knocked the wind out of everyone's sails that goal. Just how it happened, obviously, they'll be buzzing with their uh, set piece goal, but so frustrating. But going back to what you were saying uh, earlier on, Matt. It's, it's unbelievable. Like, we, we just carrying out it. Obviously, you can't knock the guy because he's, you know, doing the job. But he had 17 touches, mate, and up front. 17 touches. That Ilias chair, who I thought were absolutely superb, he had eight, 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 zero touches. 
I think one of the biggest problems is we haven't got, we've got, totally agree. I mean, I've, I've banged on about, and you have, Johnny, like just having that control, control, control in general who can just put the foot on the ball and pass it and just, and that centre forward, who can hold it up and bring a foul or take it away. But Bergsorg has been tried in there, but the trouble is it's coming straight back and they had so much more possession and, it's, I just don't see how, with the personnel that we've got, I don't think that's going to be rectified any time before January for what, if more, you know, obviously wants to, you know, play a bit more football and kind of play through through them ranks as well. But it's it would probably, obviously, be really good to see Ara in, but it's like, you haven't got, even if you bring Rhodes back, he's not that kind of guy as well. We just haven't got that kind Danny of Ward. man, have we? Danny Ward, well. you've Yeah, Ward, you're buffering, yeah. But it sounds like that, that were another good thing from the press conference. I don't think he's too far away from, from I think when they say getting back on the grass, that's always professional. Getting back on the grass. I'm sure. I'm sure David yeah. Wagner started that. I'm sure nobody said back on the grass. Yeah. Before David Wagner came to England, I'm sure. I'm sure. That was a good thing to see. But yeah, it's a bit embarrassing, really, though. When we're when it's 33 now, we're we're desperate for a 33. But there's no one with this type that we've got. You know, no Odling came later on, but I don't think much were different then. To be fair, but yeah, it's. I'm sure I'll be amazed if we don't go in for a. I mean, it's just that experienced head for me, Matt. That that centre midfielder who can obviously we've got Johnny Ogg in there, but he's, he's not that kind of guy. We just not a passer, really, is he? No, he ain't someone like Conor Murray, or someone who's like, well, obviously he's League One now, so I don't know, you know, if he's kind of what. But just yeah, that skill set I don't think we've got. So it's a big, it's a big issue, and I'm unfortunately, but it's not people who want to hear this, but expect more of this between now and like January because we ain't got. You know, we ain't got them two different types of players to to me to kind of make a game closed safe and stuff. We're always going to be kind of counter attacking football, and I don't want to see that. Edge of the seat. Yeah, we're going to be edge of the seat, aren't we, till January until hopefully. Yeah, well, last time we had more possession than another team, I can't remember. (laughs) We haven't. Oh, sure, actually. I haven't really really looked at that, but let's let's talk about the second half. It's a a tough watch, really, because neither neither team really. I thought Town were a little bit better second half than we were the last sort of 20 minutes of the first half but marginally um, there was only really one side though that looked like they were going to score a goal and it wasn't us um, obviously we didn't need to score a goal in the end thankfully but uh, then we've got Mikhail Helic on top form really that, that second half won quite a lot but that block let's talk about that block because I think we've it, it comes across a town it's town's Achilles heel again on Saturday with a set piece that that's come over and we've we've kind of scattered a little bit and it's fallen. I think it's Jake Clark Salter again, isn't it? Who who hits the volley and it hits the post and it hits and and we're very fortunate because it hits Lee Nichols on the back and it's that where it hits Lee Nichols as it's coming off, which has made Sinclair Armstrong up front have to readjust his body and have to move and that just gives Mikhail Helic the split second in which to fly. It must be six yards he's covered there. With that massive go-go gadget leg, and and it's it's an unbelievable tackle, isn't it? It's shades of Jember Zanker against Man United, where he came flying over and with that with that block against Man United, where to stop it from being too all. It's probably the best tackle I've seen since then. Owen Congolo actually wiped out a he wiped someone out from Chelsea, didn't he, in the first uh, in the second Premier League season at home. That was an absolute beauty, although we lost three 0 Um, but just talk to me, boys. That that tackle's just it looked oh, like it was man. a tap in, and then all of a sudden. The, le- the long Dal Sim is uh, from Street Fighter 2 is you know defending in the box for us. Do you know what I love about watching that back? It's like you kind of do it really, really slowly and just like pause and watch, pause and watch. There's a reason why he gets there first. 
is he's so much smarter than anyone else on the field because he moves, I'd say, a good second, which is a long amount of time in that period before anybody else. And that's why he gets there because he, he reads it so much. He's, I don't, he's, he's one of a few top close town players. I wouldn't say he's the closest town player. Um, I mean, I think the closest might be Rodoni, so I'll forgive him because he's not minded in that way. He's more attacking. Um, but he, he just reads it so much quicker and that's what gives him the ability to, to get there. Um, but he's still got so much to do. Like I, I still don't quite understand when he gets his leg round. Um, and even in making contact with the ball, he's also got to watch where he's putting it because he's all right being quicker mentally, getting there physically, and then just putting it in your own net. You, you may as well have not bothered. So so many things he's got to do so quickly that um, it just, just shows amazing, amazing technique, but also defend, defensive mindset. Like I said, the best defenders don't get the shorts dirty. He probably did doing that. But it, it's that kind of mental side of the game, reading the game, recognising the day, and you're seeing it quicker than anyone else. And that's the only reason he gets it, because he's just, he's just smarter than anyone else on the field at that moment in time. It was a sensational, mate. One of like the champagne moments as the same cricket of the of the seasons for me so far. Because again, as mentioned, Alan, I was sat in that front row on the killer, and and when it came off the post, Matt had given it up. I had given it up, mate. Luckily, uh, Mikhail Alec had given it up as well. It was absolutely sensational. And then the looks of the Rangers players are like, how oh, there? How has that not got in? And you've got to be honest, don't you? Two two then. Mind you, knowing town, they'd probably win 3-2, but it's 2-2 then. You're thinking it's probably only one winner at that point because their fans were, you know, doing the old, you know, oh, shoot, we should be, we've had a shot and we've had a corner and all that. So you know where their mindset was. So to give them a leg up with a cheap goal and then that, it'd have been, it'd been catastrophic. But, yeah, and, and Alec, you know, like if it's something like Levi Colwell, you associate with, you know, a bit more quicker, agile, a younger kind of guy. But I don't, obviously sometimes, you know, we've seen Alec this year kind of maybe beaten for pace, but... It's just that quick thinking, smart thinking. I, I think sometimes defence, defensive stuff is not celebrated as much as, you know, like when you see a goal, a, a thunderbass, as you call it, off the bar and stuff. That, for me, that's going to be one of the moments of the season, no matter what happens, which says a lot for town, really, doesn't it? That someone, uh, someone actually you know, tweeted and said, is it, yeah, someone tweeted when we've sort of posted it on last night. Uh, I posted that on social media, took it from a QPR fan who'd put, how did we not score? on there and um, it's just an amazing tackle and someone's someone's retweeted it and put this is as good as a goal and he's right isn't it it, it pretty much is oh. as, as good as a goal it's a, just an unbelievable yeah. it's exactly the same moment. because if he's not there he, he scores isn't it so it's exactly the same yeah. as, a, as a goal it's unbelievable one thing that does worry me Matt that again you're more stat based than me where I get access to some good stats for work they had 30 crosses to our five in the match 30 crosses one more corners than us I, I do, I'm getting really worried with Matty Pearson. Obviously, the back three getting exposed and out wide. I want him shoved in the middle, but I don't... We, we, he's, he's, you know, obviously, he's got his back three, but the number that... He's doing as good as he can, don't get me wrong, but it does worry me. It's just... There were times where they were, like, really going for him with the pace. It does worry me, especially when he leads him and with their pace up front as well. But it's... I mean, he's doing a killing effort. There's times where guys are getting... He's getting a start and the guys, the guys are beating past him and you're thinking... When it's going in the box, it's all like, don't lunge in or don't give a free kick. I, I, it's a big, it's an issue for me that mate. If we're playing that way, yeah. So I thought I thought Pearson did okay. To be honest, I thought there was those moments where I know he's not the quickest, um, but I thought defensively he did, he did all right. Um, he uses his body well, does Pearson. So when the runner him, he, he can get his body between the ball and the player really quickly, and he did that a couple of times. It's probably 
Well, he's not as good as Helic, is he? Helic's our best defender. I think that's quite an obvious thing. But I think there, there's a lot to like about Matty Pearson, apart from when we mixed it up a little bit second half, didn't we? And we started we decided to play out from the back and in particular well, Nich- Lee Nichols to Matty Pearson was yeah. was probably not the best best option. Although <laughs> although what was really weird is QPR didn't press us because they knew we couldn't pass the ball anyway. And we still oh. gave, it away, gave it away, which is phenomenal. Like, he passed it to him. He passed it back. Then Nichols just sliced it into kill the bank where he's wrong foot. It's like, what are we doing here? Well, the we thing, the thing is, it, it goes back to that lack of number nine, though, as well, mate, because when they were going, when it was yeah. going long, QPR were winning it all day and we were winning nothing up front. And yeah. it was just they were winning the ball there. It's just the, the thing is, do you want QPR to potentially win the ball in your final third or their, or their third? So, you know, you've got to make that. Yeah, how nice with their kit though. Ooh, she reminded me back peak, peak QPR back in the day. Let's What a pro- proper kit that is. A red and black stripes. Love that, mate. Oops. Like ours, like ours when we had, we had a good one, didn't we, in the Premier League as yeah, well? Like, I like a good yeah. red and black hoop kit. Yeah. yeah decent one. Me too, mate. Um, right. So bring you in in a second here, Johnny, because um, now my mate Tom has caused a furore on Twitter because um, he told me a couple of weeks ago that he thinks championship Mikhail Helic is slightly better in his opinion than the championship version of Christopher Schindler. And I thought, do you know what? Interesting, interesting sort of point of view. I'll throw that out there and see, and see if anyone agrees. And Jesus Christ, it's like I've, I've really upset some people <laughs> by tweeting this. Um, I mean, we're judging them both on championship standards, not Premier League, because Premier League Christopher Schindler was incredible. Absolute Rolls Royce. I still remember him. Some of the tackles he put in against Aguero when we played Man City were just unbelievable. He was unbelievable in the Premier League. But in the Championship, I think it's fair to say that Schindler was better for us in the Premier League than he was in the Championship. Um, he got Player of the Year two years running, didn't he, in the Premier League? So I think that, that backs it up. Um, but anyway, he said um, he, he, th- he thinks Helic and Schindler are the best two in, that he's seen in the last 12 years. Best two centre-backs. So it's not Schindler bashing by any stretch. Um, so I stuck the poll up and I really like them both. Um, I'd probably give the nod in the direction of Schindler, if I'm honest, uh, taking away the, the whole Premier League thing. I would probably slightly go Schindler, but I, I love Mikel Helic as well. I think Mikel Helic's probably, I think Schindler looks a good player. He's he's very smooth in everything he does. He's the, you know, the archetype Rolls-Royce defender, whereas Mikel Helic's all sort of arms and legs and it probably looks a little bit ugly with what he's doing, but it's so effective uh, at the same time. So I don't think... The eye test is quite as pleasing with Mikhail Helic. Um, but so I had a look at the data as well. Um, and it's really difficult to compare the defending of a team who are in the top six against someone who's in the bottom six, really. It's, you know, it's a very different type of defending that you do as well. The games are very different. We were very possession oriented under. Uh, David Wagner under Neil Warnock, we didn't want the ball. You know, it's completely the opposite ends of the scale in every metric. But I've done it anyway because that's you know how else what, what else would we talk about for the next ten minutes? Um, and let's have a look at Helix stats. So Helix stats last season are phenomenally good um, in terms of. So this is for all Championship centre backs who've played more than ten games. Uh, Mikel Helix is ninth or was ninth in most tackles. 10th in most interceptions. This is who scored.com data. And he was the best centre-back in the championship last season for clearances uh, and second best for shots blocked. That shows a, a very specific type of defending we were doing. It's very last ditch, isn't it? It's very, um, we're very much under under the cosh in some of that. 
And you compare that to Schindler in 2016-17. Schindler was second in the championship for most tackles. Um, although, interestingly, was the eighth most dribbled past centre-back in the league too. So he was obviously very busy. Uh, fourth in interceptions, but then he's 18th in clearances and 30th in shots blocked. But again, the data there is because Huddersfield Town were a better team with better players and he didn't have to do as much. So Hellick got player of the season. Schindler finished fourth in Town's player of the season that year. Um, so in, in terms of stats, it ends up being two each in, in that sort of season. But Hellick's got a better aerial win record of 65% to Schindler's 60, uh, 56. And Schindler actually lost the most aerial duels in the championship for a centre-back in 16-17, uh, which was quite interesting. Um, like I said, I think... A lot of it maybe is misleading due to the amount of defending Helix had to do in the last year. And it's like I say, it's very difficult to compare them both. But for me, imagine them both together. That is that is the exact sort of daisy, as, as Dave Hartrick calls it, a daisy and a dolly, which I still don't know what that means, Dave. Where you've got your agricultural or your uncompromising Mikhail Helix and you've got your smoother Schindler next to him. And for me, that's an honestly, that's a brilliant partnership that would have been phenomenal to see um, two defenders with different skill sets. And I actually looked at Schindler's stats the season we came down under Danny Cowley because that's probably more comparable with what Helix had to do. And Schindler's stats are actually really good because I think the, I think the thought process behind town fans is when we came down, Schindler probably wasn't very good uh, in, the, in that season. He struggled. But it was joint second, again, in most tackles in the championship, 20th in interceptions, which again shows the difference. We, you know, we, we've, we've gone from a high line under David Wagner to a, low, a lower block under Danny Cowley, so the interceptions are going to be lower. He's fifth in clearances, ninth for shots blocked, and aerially he's jumped up to 64%. So actually stats are better than when we got promoted, which is really, really fun. And it actually shows that you know stats are, can be interpreted and, and moved in a number of different ways, but I just thought the the comparison between the two isn't as silly as what a lot of people seem to think it was online. We've got a very, very good defender in Mikhail Helic, And I think maybe sometimes, I don't think town fans 100% appreciate how good Mikhail Helic is because maybe he doesn't look like a, a Schindler or you know some of the smoother ones of the past. He's, like I say, he's a bit more arms and legs. But for me, that they're my two favourite centre-backs as well. I, I, I do love Michael Heffley, I'll be honest. I thought my, I think Michael Heffley is possibly the most underrated town player of the last 20 years uh, in a lot of ways. But for me, those two are the best I've seen in quite a while. Um, and I, I, I absolutely love them both. I think they're both great. And I, Johnny, I don't, I don't think it's a daft comparison that my mate Tom, my mate Tom, shithousing him, has, uh, has made really. And, and I think you can... You can argue that, and I've I've put a poll out. Despite the anger it's caused, one in, I think thirty percent have actually said they prefer Mikel Helic, um, which is quite interesting. Yeah, it is. I, I did very similar to you, and um, thought, well, in my opinion, I think it's a valid question. Um, but what what do the stats say? And it was interesting to kind of see how how comparable they are. I did get one stat not to repeat what we've just been through, which I thought might is, is quite important. I'll read it just so I don't get it wrong, but um, it's penalties to win promotion. I got Helic as zero and Schindler as one. So I think that might be a little bit as to why Schindler the comes balance. out so much more on top <laughs> than Helic. But yeah, Joey, he's got that kind of can't do, any, can't do anything wrong kind of um, relationship as him with the fan and Schindler. But I think, like I said, to see them together would be would be incredible. Um 
But certainly if you kind of really listen to the question and actually put it as Shinra in the Championship and try and ignore those two Premier League years where he was exceptional, there's not a lot between them. Um, I even think with Helic, he, he, he does have that little bit of quality. I love, one of the things I love about his game is where he shapes the pass and like just rolls it, does a quick cross turn and, and changes the play and knocks it left or knocks it right in the opposite direction. He gets a striker every time with that. So he has got a little bit of class to him as well, Helic. He's not kind of like, um, he's, he's not no, kind it's of, it's not a club, is it, just, just heads it. Yeah. Um, and he, he's a player that's grown as well because if we cast our minds back to when he first came in, um, like he wasn't maybe not 100% fit and he kind of did struggle and a few people, you know, I mean, even ourselves were a bit like, is he is he all that? What have we quite signed? And we listened to Barnsley fans who kind of said, you've got a good one. And do you know what I mean? They, they were right. Um, so even he's, had, he's, even he's had to develop a little bit, um, not kind of so much on the step up because he, you know, he did a season in League One, but he'd done championship previously. But he's a player that's growing and has continued to grow in quality. Um, and I think we're quite lucky. We're quite lucky to have him really. Like he's, he's, he's definitely one of those players you'd pick out that would have a price on their head or, or a, a head and bush and shoulders above, above others in that, in that squad. So would you give a, a slight nod to Schindler then over him, but love them both kind of thing, similar to what I've yeah, said. I think, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think you would do. I think you would do if you, if you had to pick one, um, an only one, but, um, I don't think it's a stupid comparison. I think it's an, a very interesting question. Go on, Cosy Bear, round it up. Yeah, quickly. Just, I think the third percent's really interesting, Matt. I think in the same way we've got, you know, that Darren Moth, you know, struggling to get on side with people because he's following a club legend in Warnock. You've got Schindler will always be a club legend, and you know he's played in two struggling town teams. Let's be honest, uh, mate. That so that's what I think is even more impressive, and I just think. To be honest, Matt, if if if, he's, if someone said Mikel Elliott were available for chance, I know you kind of I think mentioned on the other pod that maybe is, you know, kind of know maybe well, I don't know, but better days behind him, shall I say? But almost like no, I don't think age, I don't think that. I just think I, I think he'd be there'd be a lot of clubs that want him, mate. But like I think say, there's a lot that want him, but I don't think he'd get the yeah. seven or eight million people were on about. That was the that was what I was saying. No, I think that's yeah. it. Yeah, because I think we're getting wild. Got to selling mm. players. Got to I'll be, be getting slaughtered. Town fans for a change, but. But no, mate, really like uh, what he is. And yeah, hold my hands up. I were one of those because is he all that? And yeah, the Barnsley fans were, they were the crestfallen, weren't they, that way? Because there were rumours that we were going for him. Then he didn't look like we were going to sign him. So they were like, hey, now we've kept him. And obviously he went. I know because they got to play off fans. So it didn't work out bad for them. But yeah, no, he's great, mate. And that's what I just think when you, it, it's, it's hard though, isn't it? Like, when, I don't know when you're playing any sporting teams, but if you get sporting teams, we're losing most of the games to still have that quality, still have that attitude, still have that desire to, you know, to, to, I know you should want to be your best, but you know what football's like, mate. Some people don't put the shifts in, but you can never say that about Elik. And I do agree with you, mate. I think that the fitness thing was the big issue last season, but love it. And yeah, I mean, don't you think Schindler's goal were priceless, but what about that one at Coventry, mate? Eh? Want that? Get him, mate. Can't we do an highlights reel for that? Good finish, Tom, get your cap too, mate. I want to see Elik's celebration, mate, when he... Goes to corner flag, man. But yeah. no, seriously, mate, what a signing. And isn't it frustrating now when you think about the money we're wasting in the Premier League? And yet, some of our better signings have cost next to nothing, really, haven't we? We're just getting. Yeah, one of, my, one of my mates said Huddersfield Town are brilliant at signing players for under two million and useless at signing players over two million. I think that probably, <laughs> suit, probably sums us up, doesn't it? That's um, fact, mate. I don't think we're going to Yeah. Uh, anyway, Jimmy Dunn missed an absolute sitter to make it two all. Town, like I said, struggled on set pieces all day, and hopefully that doesn't become a uh, 
a thing because that's been a strength of ours over the last uh, 12 months or so. Um, but anyway, QPR felt a bit sorry for some of their fans. They're a little bit down in the dumps at the minute. And um, thankfully, one of them, despite being in the dumps, recorded uh, the view from the other side for us. It's Ben from the W12 podcast. And here's what he had to say on uh, the QPR game or the QPR's performance at Huddersfield. Hello, uh, Ben here from the W12 podcast. Uh, QPR fan at the game yesterday. Um, just to give you a bit of a couple of minutes on on the game and reflection and uh, and, our, and our viewpoint on the game. Um, yeah, disappointed, um, frustrated. Um, often how we feel at the end of most games at the moment, um, especially in the last twelve months. Um, the, the reality is you can't start any championship game going 2-0 down after 15 minutes um, away from home you leave yourself way way too much to do um, and, um, and that's what we did I mean we we've, we often start slowing games um, and getting in the side of us is something that teams often do um, it felt like Darren Moore had, had a bit of a game plan in the first sort of 15-20 minutes about getting in behind us um, which you did really well. Um, got your opportunity to score the first goal. Um, and then we're in such bad form. Um, confidence is so low that, um, if anything, it's surprising that we only conceded the two goals, really. Um, I think, no disrespect to Huddersfield, but had we been playing anyone, if we'd been playing someone at the top end of, you know, of the Championship, it, in that sort of 15, 20 minute period, it, it could have been 3, 4, 5 nil, which it has been his, before. Um, but I think when we, well, I say weathered, when we, you know, when we got going, um, we didn't, I mean, we we looked okay, like we do, huffed and puffed, didn't create too much really, but looked like a half decent team. Um, I mean, the goal before half time obviously changes the second half, doesn't it? I think if you go 2 nil down into the second half, I think, it, it might may have been a different story, um, but frustrating really. I mean, I'm not really too sure how we didn't score uh, to make it two two with a great tackle from Hogg. I think it was not sure, but the, the lad who stopped Armstrong from scoring, um, and, and we missed a point um, a header right at the end, point blank. I don't know what's happening there, and just some odd subs from Ainsworth kind of nullified the game. Really, I thought to the end. Um, but yeah, you know, Huddersfield. Um, I thought, like I said, I thought you started really, really well, um, and then we just sort of came at you, and you, it felt like you were quite happy just to sit back, um, which which you probably shouldn't have done. Um, you could have kept coming at us and get us on the counter. Um, having said that, I, I really liked um, your free set of midfielders are, are always going to give you a good performance, aren't they? Um, and I like the Harrod lad up top. I'm not sure if he's a young lad, but he. You know, he was causing problems throughout the game, really. Um, and a good goal, good finish. Um, if I'm honest, probably two fairly poor championship um, sides there. Um, and it could have gone either way. Um, but, yeah, um, good result for you, lads. And we're in particular trouble. Um, big trouble, actually. Um, with Ainsworth, really, he hasn't really got a clue. Um What's going on at the moment and how to to stop this slump that we're in? I think it's thirty four games in charge and we've lost twenty three, I think something like that. 
it's, it's outrageous really and one one win in going on 13 months at home um but yeah enjoy the rest of the season and um like i said we'll see you um in the reverse fixture later on in the year cheers you can feel the pain, can't you? In, in oh. this is what football does to to us fans. Isn't it? You can feel the pain in poor Ben's in poor oh, Ben's man. voice there. Um, what nah, we'll do? I don't lad, I like that though. If it were a greyhound, I don't lad or a horse, I don't lad. That's yeah. Right. What we'll do anyway? We'll have a, a quick break uh, and then we'll come back and we'll we'll round a couple of things up. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, okay, we're back. Thanks to... Uh, uh, crafty edit in there and I'm sure we've we've had some very exciting adverts in and amongst from uh, YouTube and Acast um, no idea what they are it's, I wonder if it's still the McDonald's ones we, we did Cosy back in back in <laughs> those are classic those are classic a new career when editing for my way oh, no. well mine, mine certainly wasn't we, we suggested a few to talk sport and they just went nah <laughs> so we had to record the, <laughs> the normal stuff but never mind uh, okay so uh, tickets uh, this was on the on the list to talk about so uh, I'll all I want to say is thank fuck this was over quite quickly, to be honest, because it was becoming incredibly painful very, very, very quickly, uh, making social media completely unreadable with the amount of shite that we were tagged in. Um, anyway, from those that went to the ATT panel and spoke with Jake Edwards, the CEO, apparently the story behind it was that Town's ticket office contacted Leeds back in July, August, to say that we do the reciprocal pricing. Leeds said, whoa, hold your horses, come back to us closer to the time, bit early, lads. Uh, Town went back a couple of weeks ago and there was a discussion along the lines of Leeds asking if we did categories, to which we said no. We just charge £25 for everyone who comes here, which to be fair, in my opinion, is the correct way to treat every club. Uh, and that is pretty much reciprocal pricing in a nutshell, making pricing reciprocal for every club that comes to the club or every one that comes to Huddersfield. Um, Huddersfield said, shake on 25 quid. The Leeds ticket office said, we'll come back to you. Went to Angus Kinnear, who basically said, actually, no, we won't want to do that. So it'll be 47 quid. Uh, no compromise was apparently offered at that stage. Jake Edwards made contact with Angus Kinnear directly to try and resolve it. No idea what went on, what went on in those conversations, and I doubt either will openly tell anyone the exact details either because they're both professionals uh, and the nature of the job they undertake uh, will probably mean that we won't find out exactly. But anyway, after the furore online, both of them got their heads together and agreed on £20, so thankfully that was done so we could stop being tagged in petty arguments from both sides. Um, both supporters associations have both come out and asked for a cap on away tickets, which is great. I fully agree with them on that. Uh, the Leeds Supporters Trust has really rallied hard, didn't they, against uh, the, the Leeds board to get 
the reciprocal price in the first place after the release of the prices. So thankfully they managed to do that because there was absolutely no way I was going at £47. My, um, I just wasn't going to do that. Um, but anyway, Cosy, thank fuck that's over. And dare I say, I'll be saying the exact same thing come the game next week as well. Well, summarised there, Matt. Uh, yeah, I think the good thing is it was shut down quickly and the best thing was it was a beautiful surprise for me who probably would have paid it but don't have a go at me. But, uh, so what, it was unbelievable. Just to, I was kind of about 20 minutes away from kind of sorting the ticket out and then on Twitter it says 20 quid are like happy days. But yeah, it's just, it is frustrating because obviously we saw it for two seasons in the Premier League. It was just, it was just lovely to know. You, you know what you're going to pay like you said there for town. Everyone knows what away fans are going to pay. You know that art, apart from when we do maybe them out deals or five pounds or whatever, you know it's going to be 25 quid. So it's frustrating, isn't it, when you're like away fans here? Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking I'm right in saying Hull uh, cheap as well. I think Hull did 20 yesterday for Southampton. Yeah, doing some uh, good stuff. Doing some good stuff, Hull. Yeah, Hull doing some yeah, good stuff. Yeah, so they're pricing. But obviously, when you, when you, it would have been stunning uh, news that one. I don't think anyone could believe it. So I think we were just all assuming we'd be getting. 25 quid. So when it said 47, they were like, what? So, yeah. yeah, but I think the good thing is, Matt, it just, like I said, frustrating and, you know, stuff would have been, it would have doing my in just for two or three days when it was open, uh, you know, really. And, and the last thing you want to be doing going in the game like that is, you know, press conferences with Dan Moore commenting on it and then yeah, obviously fuck and the stuff because, you know, if I were interviewing, I'd be like, fuck, Daniel, you're a German. Germans really look after that, you know, but I don't think anyone really at least probably had the balls to do it, but Bottom line is, mate, we got, you know, we've got what we wanted, and yeah, just hopefully, uh, yeah, we can have a good, uh, good day as well. And obviously, we took the extra thousand because I think we only got two thousand. It was interesting. A couple of people at work, or big tampons, were absolutely adamant we'd have sold two thousand tickets. I, I think no, in no, no chance. Forty-seven. So no chance. to me, seven hundred. Uh, no, no chance. But it don't matter now. But yeah, it's uh, three thousand town fans there next Saturday. It should be. Special, but uh, yeah, I think what's the leader's highlights yesterday? Maybe <laughs> I think I'll have to have a good drink before I go in. I think, what do you reckon, Johnny? Yeah, not much more to say, really. I guess you've, you've got a bit of a beer for not to uh, drown your sorrows or just numb them during the game, but yeah, it's one of the things club policies, that kind of side of things, it, it shouldn't get in the way of just charging fans the right price. Um, my opinions are that leads prices are too high for home and away um, I chatted to a few Leeds fans who once Bravado dropped down which always seems to spike when you try to challenge a Leeds fan they were kind of like yeah actually we're suffering at home um, as well as I mean, overcharging away fans so um, it's good that this game's been dropped but to me ultimately I feel for other fans that hasn't been dropped for and the home fans that got to pay those prices because it, it's too much to charge fans um, that whatever club it is Yeah I think you're right and hopefully the the cap will come in because, um, you know, if, if the supporters just hadn't challenged the board, then it would have probably been 47 quid every game. And that's just ridiculous pricing. It's a ridiculous price point, isn't it, for second tier football? Um, and I think the I think, moment that people what... start paying that, the moment it becomes the norm. Because I think, Cosy, remember back in 2007, I think Leeds broke the 25 quid barrier, the one of the first to break it, yeah. the outside the Premier Ken Bates, and all of a sudden, People paid it, and twenty-five quid becomes the norm, mm-hmm. and then it keeps going up and up because people yeah. keep pushing. Remember Sheffield United? Well. I'm sure they charged us thirty-one man in League One. It oh yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, he might scored that night, but yeah, I think the frustrating thing is it's just spiral on. So Blackburn have not taken it because they know they can give Leeds that double-decker standard charge, and 
you know, 42, 47 quid there, and then all leads will, will pay it. It's just, ah, yeah, it's, I, I just won't pay it, mate. Yeah. I just, I just, I just no, think I, the moment that when you start, I, know, I get why they do, and, 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 you know, when you're doing well like they are, you want to go to every game and you want to soak it all up, don't you? Especially what's potentially a promotion season. You want to live it, that you want to live through it. But when you crap like us, it's an easier yeah. choice, isn't it? But, I mean, it's an awkward one. It's each to their own, isn't it? I, I, I'll pay seventeen hundred pounds for a mobile phone. Some people say, "You what?" Yeah, I'll just. But that, that's me. That's me. And me you may have words I, after this, cause if you're paying seventeen hundred quid for mobile. Yeah, <laughs> it's, some of that. Yeah, it's, it's just not maybe not the best view to have because it's almost like yeah, as long as you keep doing that, they'll keep charging it for their phone. But it, I suppose it depends what it matters to. But then it's an old debate of everything. So probably better to move it on, mate. But. Yeah, this is why you need Pozzer, isn't it? Because Pozzer's the ultimate tight bastard. So, you know, he'd, he'd be quite, he'd be expecting a full family yeah. ticket, wouldn't he, for 47? But especially. Yeah. He likes to wait till Leeds to Pozzer, doesn't he? Yeah, he likes to Pozzer. He, he, he sacked the game off, didn't he, to get hammered around Leeds on Saturday? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. And we won't, so Pozzer, don't come back anytime soon, mate. I know. Right, so we'll move on from that anyway. Um, some good news this week, Cosy. Uh, Town's current Academy Player of the Year, Tom Yorpenda, has signed for another four years. He was the 21st man on Saturday um, involved with the squad, I understand. So he's he's definitely knocking on the door and he's um, a player that you've seen a couple of times in the B team. And for you, he's the only one that really sort of, well, is the main one, isn't he, that really excites you, isn't he, from that crop? Yeah, it does. Um, I, I do like how we... Uh... He likes to bring the ball forward, you know, not afraid to take a shot. Good engine, good energy. Yeah, it just reminds me so much uh, about Phil, like Phil, Phil back in the day of that as well. Obviously, a lot of parallels with it, maybe his journey as well. So to get that, I think, again, it does annoy me a little bit where, like, it was nice news to be announced. And I get some people not inside B-team players and stuff, but there were some shit comments underneath. It's just like, this is a guy, just get... You know, have trust in that. You know that we're offering the contract because he's good. You know, length of time as well. So, yeah, we're at Brighton on him at as uh, yeah in his academy days. It was yeah released. There's a couple of them released from Brighton that we've picked up. There's a I think Freddie Fletcher, the centre back, is one of them as well. So yeah, there's a couple of released released from yeah. Brighton who've got. They've an eye bar there at Brighton now, though, isn't it? It's not it's like the old days when they had. Yeah, Jesus. Look here. But, yeah. No, mate, it sounds like he's going to be in sooner rather than later. I know kind of more classic manager playing down a, a youth, you know, a young prospect as well. We, you know, if he keeps going and he keeps doing the hard work and blah, blah, blah. But I just, you know what, mate, when you, when you kind of, you know what, you don't even have to watch town. You can, you could rock up to a junior football game or watch, you know, I went to watch my, uh, my friend's daughter play for Sheffield United under 21s and, and they were against Liverpool last Wednesday and, Players just stand out. You don't need to know them, do you? So, and I like to some of the Liverpool parents, like, oh, who's she? And she's like, wow, she's the next thing. You know, she's going to be for England's like the, the, the winger that they had and that as well. And I think when you walk into a B team game, IR Pender's like kind of, you just look around and think, yeah, that, you know, this is going to be the guy I think that were, you know, knocking on the first team door. So really good to see that. The fact he was like, you said 21st man for yesterday shows that, you know, obviously. The hierarchy at town are not afraid to, and I don't think Moore is going to be that kind of guy to be cautious and afraid. To be fair, Warnock won't make one. He's swung no. a lot of them in. So, no, and, and in midfield, obviously, we've t- the QPR guy, we're buzzing about our midfielder, less so for me. But the, uh, yeah, maybe he could be the, you know, I'm not sure he's kind of the, you know, the general, the, the pass man, but he definitely, if you put him on the pitch, mate, something could happen, and that's what you want, isn't it? Hmm. I was waiting for Johnny to come in then, but I don't think Johnny's got much to add on on that idea, mate. 
No, like I said, not more than what Cod is covered. It's just it's just good to see prospects coming through. Um, good to see us putting decent contracts around people. We think that have got something about them because we know other clubs will come and uh, do the same or try and take them offers. Um, and if like if we've got a decent contract in place, hopefully they'll stay. Or if not, we'll be reimbursed to uh, the right value to, to reinvest. So. Um, I've not seen him play, so I can't really comment in that regard. But I think from a, a business point of view, if we're kind of protecting our assets and putting players that deserve it on, on decent contracts, then we're doing our job. Yeah, he's a good little player. He's he's quite he's not he's not very he's not billing like six foot five, six six or anything, is he, Cosy? But he's 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 got the got the billing hair hasn't he but he's he's very neat on the ball isn't he he's, he can carry it he can pass and he can spot little angles yeah. and stuff he's, he's a nice little player he's isn't he he's not afraid to not afraid to shoot mate as well and I, I love frustrates me some of our players that's why I'm chuffed with Rodoni he seems to be wanting to gamble I just I'd never knock him at the player who you know pops off a shot even if it goes wide because like I, I, th- I don't know I just think it's just a town thing we don't shoot enough do we I it's through through the years I don't double the times you know it. Just what we do, innit? We always try and pass when we could shoot. Are you one of these people when Jonathan Hogg picks it up on the halfway line, sat there going, shoot, like, you're one of those, are you? <laughs> do you remember that, Edward? I think it was against uh, QPR, actually. And that, but yeah, and bomb, although, uh, yeah, you were, uh, yeah, we're really good. Uh, I'm sure it was that uh, Bank Holiday Monday game in the playoff season, Hogg. Uh, I think it did it come off in or something? I don't know. It no, it's good with a good header, didn't it? Yeah, near post run and yeah, flicks in. It was a good header yeah. from, from Hoggy, yeah. Um, no, I, I'm just one of those. If I were a manager, mate, you know, someone's like had three shots and stuff. Unless there was someone blatantly unmarked, I'd never be knocking anyone, mate, because you want, you know, if you don't buy a ticket, don't win a raffle, as I say, mate. Right. So uh, what we're going to do is we'll we'll have a chat. So earlier this season, we uh, from the podcast have sponsored a Huddersfield uh, Town women's player, uh, Beth Stanfield, and every now and then, Beth's going to pop in. And give us a little bit of an update on how Huddersfield Town women are getting on. I think they've had a lot of injuries lately, and unfortunately lost four 0 to Newcastle today. Um, but this is uh, this is Beth, and she's going to give a little update on how they've been getting on down there. Hiya. Um, yeah, so it's been a tough month or so. Um, obviously, we've had some big uh, losses. Um, most of those games, though, um, doesn't we come off the pitch feeling like they probably don't deserve to be that big of a scoreline, but obviously it doesn't look great um, when you kind of look at those results, losing 4-0. Um, kind of every every game, really. Um, so, yeah, it's been tough. It's been hard for me personally as well because I've been injured um, for the last just over four weeks so it's been really hard having to watch from the sidelines and kind of refresh Twitter every Sunday if I'm not there watching um, knowing that like, I can't do anything to to help or have an impact or anything so yeah it's been hard it's a tough period that we're going through with um, a few injuries to players and um, yeah those big score lines like I said um, so obviously we started with uh, the West Brom away game um, we played at the Hawthorne, so that was a cool experience. But it's a shame that the performance from us didn't kind of match up to that occasion. Um, yeah, it just was a great performance, to be honest, um, from us that day. Um, just a bit lacklustre, and I think West Brom deserved to win that game, to be honest. Um, then we had the cup game against Stourbridge, and we won that 2 0. That was away. 
So that was quite a, a good victory. Obviously, they're in our league as well, so that kind of gives us a good idea um, of them as well for when we face them in the league. Um, and then we had a tough week with um, Wolves on Sunday away. That's always a tough game because um, Wolves are a very, very good team. Um, and I, I wasn't there at that game, but obviously I was watching watching it on Twitter, um, refreshing Twitter and things. Um, and I think we were four 0 down at half time, so and one 0 down after about a minute or so. So we gave ourselves a, a mountain to climb after that. And um, obviously, against a team like Wolves, you, you're going to struggle <laughs> to put four past them, to be honest, um, to get anything out of that game. Um, but there was a kind of a sh- formation change, a change of shape at half time, and we drew the second half nil nil. So you know we. We can show that we can match those teams, but obviously we gave ourselves a mountain to climb, like I said, being 4-0 down at half-time. Um, then we uh, we should have had uh, Forest midweek, but there was an issue with the floodlights. Um, I got to the game at about 25 to 8, and the lights were on, and then about five minutes later, someone came into the dressing room and said they've gone off, so yeah they couldn't get them fixed in time so that games had to be postponed um which was frustrating for everyone involved um and then again this weekend gone we just we had derby um again the scoreline looks bad but we actually weren't that bad I think um especially you know we're only one nil down at half time and we had a massive chance in the first half to go one nil up so I think it's just those kind of um it's those fine margins, those kind of final decision decisions that we need to be better at. Um, but obviously, in the second half, they scored quite early on, and that just kind of took the momentum out of everyone. Really, it was a bit of a um, just kind of knocked the wind out of everyone, and it was really hard to get people going again. And then they scored quite quickly after that second goal as well. But yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been quite a tough month, um, but the games don't get any easier. We've got Newcastle this weekend, which again is going to be a really hard game. Um, but you know, we've just got to try and be a bit more resolute, a bit harder to beat, a bit more determined. I think, um, and you never know. You know, we always say in this league, anyone can beat anyone. So I think we just need to start believing that a bit as well. Um, so yeah, big game on Sunday. Um, get down if you can but yeah should be should be a good one cheers yeah it's been a tough uh, tough month September for the uh, the women's team Johnny um, a couple of uh, a couple of heavy defeats there that Beth's mentioned a couple of injuries but there's just signed uh, Layla Proctor from Man United so that sounds interesting Man United are one of the top teams so um, hopefully that will spark a bit of a revival for them and it'd be good to get one of them on the podcast as well one of the ones that Watchers Town on a on a weekly basis would be uh, would be good to get them on if they've uh, if they've been to the game, which would be good. Although it won't be Beth because she supports Preston, so maybe we'll get her on after the Preston game if she goes. But um, Cosy has uh, unfortunately left us; his broadband's uh, gone off, so he has uh, left the building just for now, temporarily. But we, we, we're at that time now, Johnny, where it's like in any other business round, isn't it? We, we've pretty much said all we need to say on on the weeks gone by, and. It's uh, it's just really good, isn't it, just to get Darren Moore's first win under 
under the belt really because it was starting to sort of weigh a bit heavy wasn't it there's, there's some criticism was coming in for him the, the football apart from the Ipswich game the football's been bad to watch um, but hopefully that first win just generates that bit of confidence now and the team can push on and start to uh, produce just just more wins because it, it, you know Cardiff's a big game isn't it we were half expecting Cardiff to be down at the sort of bottom six to eight where I think a lot of people expect us to be. So that's a big game as well on Tuesday night. And then we've got Leeds next uh, Saturday, 12.30 kickoff. Not a lot of people expect us to get anything there. And to be honest, we do look kind of tailor-made for, you know, their their pacey attacking lineup. So it's going to be a difficult one, is that? But So the, the result to beat QPR was, was outstanding. Um, and, uh, you know, the more the merrier. Should we say the more the more of those the merrier, eh? And to, to use a Darren Moore pun, but yeah, it was it was massive, John, isn't Johnny? And you know, it, it just kind of keeps the wolves at bay a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, like with any manager, getting your first win is is really important. The longer that goes on, the more pressure it, it starts to create. Um, no more so than the game itself as well. It wasn't just a need for the first win. Um, it was looking at what's been done after the international break, which is kind of a a bit of a bit of time we gave him after the the Wednesday game. So look, he's not at that time training because he's had Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday to try and look to to work in between those with travel times, and he's got this time now to look to kind of implement some things. So that put a bit more pressure on him because if he'd gone in and not really shown signs of anything, um, and, and lost the game, then it, it kind of makes it even more difficult for him. Um, we've touched on that earlier that we did see a few things come off the training field as well so we, we can start to see um, green shoots from that but also just the way that the, the fixture sat within the table um, reverse those three points it, it really is a six pointer um, in that sense we are now six points above QPR which is massive um, so it, it just creates a little bit of, of a gap from us from that bottom three um, it, it, it's important to get and beat those teams around you so for, for various reasons pick, pick one of those three it was a big game um, put all those three on the table I'm sure Darren Moore is sleeping a lot or slept a lot better on Saturday night having having got the three points and beating QPR so yeah he, he needs to do it um, for various reasons and hopefully now like I say we've, we've got a a, a win on the game on Tuesday night um, I think everyone's a bit surprised by what Cardiff are doing um, I've not I've not really seen much of their, their play so far but um, I don't think I don't think it's a, it's a team that we can't beat Um no doubt Carl and Grant will score a brace against us now I've said that um, and I think if we can get three points on then I think it just we'll generally see what happens on, on Saturday it's more just from a prior perspective I think really don't want it to be too too many goals but uh, there's every chance we can go and upset it's a derby game I mean we've got players that um, will relish going to Leeds and leaving a few on a, some of their players so I wouldn't necessarily count us out completely but I think from a pragmatic point of view, if we can get something out of the Tuesday game, it takes a bit of pressure off from purely statistical point of view Saturday. But you're never going to think that in a town leads game, for sure. But it just might make it make it a little bit easier to, to cope with what, what might come on Saturday if we can do something on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly looks good on on balance. It looks better for Darren Moore because had we, you know, had Sinclair Armstrong put that ball in, you know, where, where Mikel Hellick makes the tackle and we draw that game 2-2, that... That would leave Darren Moore winless in in fact, you know, in what we're looking at here, one, two, three, four, five games, and you know, all of a sudden people are like, "Oh, he's not winning five games, etc., etc., etc." Really difficult, but you know, we've got that win now. The you know the 
it's you know one win one loss and all of a sudden it's just like one loss in five now so you can twist that a little bit and make it you know seem a little bit better so you know if we get another couple of points this week I think we'll all be incredibly happy and and, and you know going in the right way and that leads up to another big game really against Watford who are, who are down at that end and if we can keep picking up points it's what we need to do before January where we absolutely have to strengthen the squad and you know if, if we can just carry on plugging away picking up points until then and keep our head you know comfortably comfortably above water strengthen and then there's no reason why we can't you know finish the second half of the season in in a much stronger vein and, and look to push on and, and push on for future seasons as well and uh, that's it we'll end it on, on that positivity shall we and um Thanks to everybody that's listened uh, this week. Thanks to Magic Rock Brewing. Thanks to uh, Ben from the W12 podcast for the QPR side. Thanks to Beth uh, Stanfield as well for the uh, the women's update, which was great. And uh, that's it. There's a team that is dear to its followers. The colours are bright, blue and white. They're a team of renown. They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all the while upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say who can be the town today and then the bells will ring so merrily and every ghost shall be a memory so town play up and bring that cup back to others so town play up and bring the car back to Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs>